not, I invite you to turn with me to the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 22. We are here this morning, as has already been said, and we are four days from the start of a, a weekend plus one, a day of, of revival services. We've set that time aside, as I've already mentioned, to make a concentrated effort to serve and worship the Lord. The aim of that meeting, then, is that the church would be revived. That is the aim of our meeting, that there would be a rejuvenation, a renewal, a restoration in the spirituality and in the faithfulness and the worship of God's people, of the believers that make up faith church. We desire that, that it would then enliven and awaken this body, that we as a body collectively as the church be drawn closer unto the Lord. Now revivals are not altogether unique to Baptist churches. I've been to services at other places that are revival-like. But I do want you to know that they are one of those distinct opportunities that we have that identifies us as Baptists. And that opportunity then, that distinct opportunity, will only come about if we're willing to meet it. The reality concerning the situation that we find ourselves in as a church, and I don't just mean specifically here to faith, but but just as we think about churches in general in 2022, is that apathy reigns among God's children. And that should scare you. I was going to say worry you, but I think it requires a word that goes a little bit beyond worry. When we are apathetic concerning the Lord's cause, we allow ourselves to get stuck in these ruts where we'll come in and we'll gather ourselves together and we'll go through the the routines of of a church service and we'll find ourselves going through routines in our lives. And and what happens over time is we just get real comfortable in that. We begin to, to lose our sense of care and concern regarding those things that God has called us to. Regarding this most precious institute that God Himself, Jesus Christ, set up the church. He did so during His earthly ministry. We today are a part of what Jesus Christ Himself created. Isn't that incredible? And so we must see it as as precious as something to be revered and to have reverence towards, that we would guard it, that we would protect it, that we would seek its welfare, that we would desire, that we would be within what we are called to do individually for the health and prosperity of the body. So revival then is not something that is just a a week of services that we come together with the hope that the lost will be saved. They'll make... Please don't misunderstand me. I I have the greatest hope that indeed we would see lost souls saved during this, this effort meeting. But I cannot help but underscore that revival is for the church. And we need it. We have a capable evangelist who's coming to help us, a capable minister. 
I look forward to working with Brother Bronner again. But I want you to know, if you're coming expecting that Brother Bronner is going to have revival in his pocket, I assure you, he doesn't feel that way. I have the utmost trust that he will come and, and he will serve the Lord as God directs him. But it is incumbent upon all of us to avail ourselves and to submit ourselves to the will and direction of God. There is a challenge that must be issued to each of us to earnestly desire and seek the Lord's face with hope. I want to tell you something about this word hope. When we think about hope, a lot of times when we think about it in the 2022 definition, we think about hope as, as really no different than a wish. That is not how the Bible uses the word hope. The Bible uses the word hope and it sets it as a confident expectation. So we must have a challenge issued to us today that we would earnestly be seeking and desiring the face of the Lord and that we would be coming together with a confident expectation that the Spirit of God will be revealed among us and that He will revive His people. If revival is to break out here at Faith Church, God will be the one to do it. Revival is for the church, and revival is brought about by the Spirit of God in response to the people of God submitting themselves to Him. I want to say that again. God is the one who brings revival. It is the Spirit of God that brings revival, and He brings it about in response to His people submitting themselves to Him. So with that, I want to look here in the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis. Begin reading with me. Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. It says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham. And Abraham said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him, offer Isaac there, for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee. So Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he saddled his donkey, and two of his young men, two of his young servants were with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose up, and he went to the place of which God had told him. So then on the third day, it was a three-day journey here to Moriah, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here. He said, You stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad, I and Isaac, will go yonder and worship, and we will come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hands and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there. And he laid the wood in order there on the altar, and he bound up Isaac his son, and he laid 
Isaac, his son, on the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went, and he took the ram, and he offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, which means God will provide. And it said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. And he said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, unto his servants, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. And we'll stop right there. That's the first 19 verses of the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis. This story is noteworthy for the sheer drama and the, the, the dramatic nature of what we see unfolding here with Abraham and his son Isaac. Abraham was faithful. God had called unto him to test him, the scriptures tell us, and to test him by desiring and asking and requiring, commanding that Abraham would go to Mount Moriah and that he would offer his son Isaac there as a burnt offering. And what we see as the response of Abraham to this command is that Abraham rises up early in the morning. It seems that he takes action upon that command and he takes action upon it quickly. Now we see that command and if that command was laid to any one of us, we would no doubt have doubts and and we would argue with God concerning the command. But Abraham responds and he rises up early and he prepares his servants and his donkey and his son and the wood and he takes the fire in his hand and his knife and they begin and they set out towards Moriah. Now, Moriah was about 50 miles away, so it was about a three days' journey. And at one point, the scriptures read that they got to it and they saw it afar off. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. If you're like me, there are situations that you don't look forward to. You you have just an anxiety about them. You, You dread them. And you can kind of deal with that for a little while. And and even on your way there, you'll somehow be able to kind of put that away and put that in the back of your mind. But then you see it. And you know whatever it is that you are dreading, you're going to have to do. I can imagine Abraham's heart within him when he looked up and he saw Mount Moriah in front of him and he knew this was the place that God had called him to to offer up his only son. Isaac, as a burnt offering. And so Abraham sees it afar off and he stops and he says to his servants, he says, you stay here with the donkey while I and and my son, we go off yonder to worship. But Abraham had a confident expectation 
concerning the events that would unfold. Did you hear what he told the servants? He said, we're going to come back. He said, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to you. We're, we're going to come again to you. I and the lad, we'll go yonder and worship, and we'll come back. The book of Hebrews, in the 11th chapter, tells us a little bit about Abraham's heart here during this account. That Abraham had a faith that God might, in fact, require him to slay his only son and to sacrifice him as a, as a burnt offering. But he had a faith that if that's what God required, that God could resurrect him. Abraham went to Mount Moriah in full faith that whatever God desired, God would bring about and he would bless Abraham for it. And that God would be faithful to his promise. And so Abraham, he went with the lad off to this place of Moriah where he would build an altar to offer up his son. And so they're on their way, and you've probably heard this account preached on before, but they're on their way, and Isaac, all his son, he's kind of putting everything together. And he knows that they have the wood, and they have the fire, and that they have the knife, they have everything that they need to, to make a burnt offering, but they're, they're missing one thing. Where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? We have all that we need, but we're missing one thing. So he asked his dad, as any son would do, he says, Dad, I, I, I see that we have the fire and we have the wood and we have all that we need here to make this, this burnt offering unto the Lord. I've seen us make sacrifices to the Lord before, but, but, but Dad, where is the lamb? And Abraham's response was that God will provide for himself a lamb. God will provide it. God will do this work. That we will do what God has commanded us to and we will trust that God will do the rest of the work and that He will do it perfectly and He will do it in the favor of His people and He will do it to the blessing of those that follow Him. So Abraham gets to the top of Mount Moriah and he prepares the altar. He lays out the wood tied up his son. I want you to see how far Abraham was going. This wasn't that he was like, yeah, I'm going to offer him, but I know when I get there I won't have to or, or anything like that. I mean, can you imagine that he tied up his only son and he laid him there. And the dad was looking into the eyes of his son, but his faithfulness to his heavenly father was so great that he raised up the knife against his son. Until a voice from heaven called out and said, Do not take thy hand to slay thy son. It says, I have seen you. I know now, the Bible says, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And you know what happened? God provided for himself a sacrifice. There was a ram that had got its horn stuck in the thicket back behind Abraham. And suddenly Abraham lifted up his eyes and he heard it and he saw it. And the sacrifice was made unto the Lord. And Abraham called that place there where that altar was built to sacrifice and worship the Lord. He called it Jehovah Jireh that the Lord will provide. And the scriptures even says that in that place it can still be seen that the Lord provides for His people. 
And it went on then in, in that, the last few verses that we read. And we see that the angel called to Abraham a, a second time. And he said, seeing that you have done this, seeing your faith, I will make it thee a great nation, that thy seed will be as the stars in heaven and as the sands upon the seashore. Abraham was blessed for his faithfulness and obedience and submitting unto the Lord. There is a blessing that awaits God's people in submitting to the Lord. I am calling to us today to submit. To submit unto the Lord. I've heard it said before, and I've said it here just in recent times, that the best way that we can describe what is necessary to be saved, we can go through all the aspects of repentance and faith, and we can look at that as, as theologically as we want to and go through all the Scriptures, but if we were to sum it down to just one word to describe what is necessary for a sinner to be saved, it is to surrender. It is to submit unto the Lord. And the same thing is true today of believers. If we desire a revival, we are called to submit and to surrender ourselves unto the will of the Lord. That's what Abraham did here in this account that we read. He surrendered himself and he went out trusting that God would provide. He was trusting that if God, in fact, had required him to lay that knife to his son and to offer him up as a burnt offering, that God would still be faithful and bless him. No matter what was required, whether it was easy, whether it was painful, whether it was something that he desired, or whether it was something that he hated and dreaded, he trusted that God would bless his submission. I still believe that today. That God will bless his people when they submit to his will. Now here's the thing about our loving and benevolent Father, He does not force any of us in submission. Do you know that? It is not a submission where He comes upon us and He forces us to submit, but He desires the willing submission of them that are His. He desires that every one of us would present ourselves, the book of Romans tells us, as a living sacrifice. That we would submit ourselves unto Him, trusting and knowing that He who would be with us is faithful even until the end. And so our submission then is what is necessary. If we are to break this apathy, it would be that we fully submit and surrender ourselves unto the Lord. Now, you might look and you say, well, Derek, I, I don't have the faithfulness of Abraham. And I can empathize with you in that because neither do I. But I want you to see and to recognize that what Abraham did in his obedience unto the Lord was one step at a time. He traveled 50 miles over the course of those three days. But he did it willingly. He did it quickly upon the Lord's desire for him. And each aspect, as he got to it, he was led in faith one step after the other. And isn't that what the New Testament tells us? That we are to walk by faith and not by sight. And that walking, it's not done in some way that we are able to know the end from the beginning. But it is that we trust the Lord one step at a time. Our feet fall one 
after the other in obedience and submission unto the Lord. You see, Abraham, he had an expectation of what he thought might be the end of this command that God had given him. But if you note, Abraham was wrong. (laughs) Abraham believed that God could require him to kill his son and that God would resurrect him. But God did not require that. Abraham did not know the end from the beginning. He was acting upon his faith one step at a time. Your faith, it might be weak today. And I want you to know that God sees your weakness. And God knows your weakness. He knows your abilities as much as He knows your your inabilities. But what God desires is that we would submit all of that, our strengths, our weaknesses, our talents, those things that we can't do, that we would submit ourselves entirely unto Him and that we would let Him then worry about the end that He has in mind. You see the difference? I think sometimes what takes place in the hearts of believers is that we become willing to submit unto the Lord on our terms. God, help us. When we come to that place, when we become willing to submit unto God on our terms, that we might recognize that that's no submission at all. You see that? One who desires to submit to God on their own terms is not submitting to God at all. You are presenting yourself as a challenger to His sovereignty. You are presenting yourself as a challenger to His rule and to His authority. And so in presenting yourself in that light, you are challenging the very one that you are to submit to. God calls to us to surrender. We sang that song earlier, didn't we? I surrender all. We sing it like we believe it. Let's do it. Let us find ourselves in a place where we can truly and fully submit ourselves unto the Lord. Now, this challenge that I'm issuing to you today, I recognize that it's one that We'll look and we'll examine these things and we will agree and say, yes, Derek, we we need to submit. But the question then is, how do we submit? We are guilty oftentimes as mistaking activity as though it is accomplishing what God has called for us in submission. We say, well, Derek, look at what all we are doing. God's desire is not so much doing as it is so much submission unto Him. You see that? It's not to get caught up and say, well, Derek, we have all these activities and we have all these things that we are doing and when we're waiting, we're saying, God, why is this not good enough? God is not interested so much in the outside. As you've heard me preach time and time again, God sees to your heart and He knows whether or not your heart is submissive unto Him. And He will bless us accordingly. He will bless your life according to your submission to Him. He sees and He responds. There's this thought sometimes that as though we are left in a situation where God is just going to randomly choose. 
I want you to know that, that God sees and He honors His people who desire to serve Him. He's not far from us as we seek after Him. But He desires that we would come unto Him humbly with a heart that desires His will, not our own. So the question then is, what prevents us from submitting? Before I get to that, I need to take this idea of submission one step further. Over in the book of Ephesians, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he sets up the order of submission. And it was actually mentioned in Sunday school today, one of those things that oftentimes here in the book of Ephesians, in the fifth chapter in particular, that gets all the attention, where Paul writes for wives to submit themselves unto their husbands. And we see the order of submission given there in marriage. We see at the very start of the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians where Paul writes to children to honor their father and mother. And we see the correct order of submission in a household as children would submit to their parents. There in that same sixth chapter, we see Paul go on. He writes for servants to submit themselves to their masters. So we see that right order of servants and that, or the right order of submission in that relationship as well. But before Paul wrote about any of those things, he wrote this in the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, beginning at the 15th verse. He said, See then that you walk circumspectly, that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming or making the most of the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, where is excess or, or dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then in verse 21 he says this, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Before Paul wrote for wives to submit themselves to their husbands, before Paul wrote for children to honor their parents, before Paul wrote that servants would submit themselves to their masters, he said to submit yourselves one to another. Each one of us is called to submit unto the Lord, to submit in the fear of God, and then to submit to one another within the church. That is to give preference to one another, to defer to one another, to desire even the interest of someone else over our own interests. We've looked at it before. Listen, a church is no place for us to give our preferences some rank above somebody else's. We must be willing to submit unto one another in the fear of the Lord. I want you to look at the context where Paul gave this instruction. He said, be not drunk with wine where is dissipation or, or excess. He says, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he went on and he gave us four things that identify those who are filled with the Spirit. Now let me take a moment here to, to talk about this apathy that I mentioned earlier. You know what happens when God's people become in this state of apathy and they get apathetic? We find ourselves to be further and further from the Spirit of God to the point that we are unspiritual, to the point that our services lack the Spirit because the Spirit finds no habitation amongst His people, as Paul also wrote to the Ephesians. So the question then becomes, 
if we are to be in submission unto the Lord, if we are to desire to be filled with His Spirit, how will that be done? Paul tells us these four things. He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that we would be encouraging one another in song and in Scripture and in testimony and encouraging words that the nature of the body of Christ would be united in a desire to serve one another and in to encourage each other. That we would sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. That being filled with the Spirit and encouraging one another, we would come together to worship the Lord. That we would do so in song and making melody in our hearts. Verse 20, the third thing is said to give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of your Lord Jesus Christ. That those who are filled with the Spirit, that they'd be encouraging one another, worshiping together, and that they'd be honoring the Lord with thanksgiving upon their lips. Offering thanksgiving unto the Lord. And the fourth thing that it would look like is that they'd be submissive one to another. We've looked previously at the the nature of the church in the early part of the book of Acts and how they were coming together and breaking bread together, that they owned all things in common, that they were giving preference to one another. That is what it looks like when God's people become filled with the Spirit. See the nature of this? I desire that we would see revival break out amongst faith church. Me and Brother Chris desire that revival break out amongst faith church. I hope all of you do too. If that's going to take place, if we're going to submit ourselves unto God, if we're going to leave all things, forsake all things, and desire the Lord in submitting ourselves to Him, if we desire that the Spirit would so fill us that we would be overflowing as a result of the Spirit that is within us, if we desire as a church that the the Spirit would just be so thick amongst us. Have you been in those services where the Spirit is just so thick among God's people? And and I'm, I'm using silly words to describe it, but that's the only way that I know to put it. Where the Spirit is so prevalent, there's a better word, where the Spirit is so prevalent among God's people that you can just about reach out and touch it. It's like you can just feel it there as though it's physically present with you. Because it is. It's manifested amongst His people. God desires that His church will be a place of habitation for His Spirit, where His Spirit can come in and can dwell among His people. So if you've seen that that, that type of service, if you've felt that kind of spirit, if you've been in that spiritual place for yourself, you will know the truth of the reality of what Paul is talking about. Of what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. And it is concluded in submission one to another. So why, why submit? Or what's the challenge to submission? I... I'm going to make a statement, and some of you might disagree with it. And some of you are probably better historians and, and can come and, and, and show me why I'm wrong. But I would submit that we are living in perhaps the most self-centered generation in the history of the world. I mean, we have things called selfies to take pictures of ourselves. We have a, an online book 
meant for your face. We live in the most self-centered generation in the history of the world. Now, old-timers, before you start thinking, well, yeah, that's because of you whippersnappers. I think that's what you call us sometimes. I want you to know that it is the baby boomers who have been described as the me generation. Those babies born after World War II. So it is not just common amongst guys my age or or those that are younger, those Michael or Logan or Stevie's age. It is common amongst all of society today that we kind of have this focus on ourself. We kind of put ourselves at the center and we kind of, what we can say we don't like the spotlight, but what we're saying is, well, we don't want to say we like the spotlight. <laughs> we all kind of like that attention sometimes. My sister actually was one who, who was always good at kind of describing these things. You see, I was always a, a tough big brother. You know, was, everything was always good. Never going to show any weakness. So sometimes there'd be something that would happen and and I, I wouldn't have that, the girl that I like wouldn't like me back or something. I'd be like, ah, oh, it's no big deal, Chelsea. It's all good. And she told me she, one time, she said, it's okay to feel that way. She said, because everybody likes to be liked. We do, don't we? Chelsea doesn't even remember saying that, but she did. We all like that. We all have this tendency to want to put ourselves in the center. But what it looks like for the child of God is that suddenly we remove ourselves from that place and we put Jesus at the center. And when Jesus is put at the center, we see everybody else in the same light that we see ourselves in. And because we see everybody else in the same light that we see ourselves in, we begin to submit to one another. Because we're ultimately all submitting to the Lord. And if we're all to submit to the Lord, then naturally, as we all point, and as we all, as Brother Jeff says so often, are rowing the same direction, then what is by nature going to happen is that we're also going to draw closer and closer to one another. Why? Because we all have the same interests and same hobbies and same things in common? Not at all. But because we're all growing closer to the same one to the same Jesus, to the same Father. And as that happens, we submit ourselves not only to Him, but to one another. And suddenly we're encouraging each other in songs and in hymns and in spiritual songs. We're singing together and making melody in our hearts. I got a new computer this week and I was trying to get it all set up and stuff, so I was pulling some things over to it. And back a couple of years ago during the pandemic, I had some time on my, some time on my hands, and, and I found a bunch of tapes that were my grandfather's, and I put them into a digital copy. And one of those tapes is him at, at one of the, the, the sister's house that he was a pastor of at the time. And he sits there for a half hour, 45 minutes, and they have a worship session together just there in that old house. A bunch of brothers and sisters that the world probably would look at and not see much there. Yet there they were, singing and praising the Lord together in this house of one of the sisters. Not not in a church house, not like this. This is yeah, we're we're gonna come together and we're gonna sing here. But wherever they were gathered, they were encouraging each other. They were coming together to sing, to praise the Lord. 
to give thanks to the Lord. During that time, they were singing together. Some of you know Sister Corinne West. She, she was the sister's house that they were at. Sister Corinne West, she got all, all pulled together and got all happy, and she started thanking the Lord for, for her salvation, was offering thanksgiving. They were having worship there together in this house. They were living reality, living proof of Ephesians chapter 5 and what worship looks like amongst God's people. I desire that. I mean, I truly desire that. You see, we can all say that, yeah, we want that. And we heard that today in Sunday school. We all talked about kind of how we look back a little bit. And, and yeah, there was something there that, that, was, that was a little bit distinguished. We all kind of have a yearning desire for that still. And it's okay, we can say that we have a desire, but are we willing to submit ourselves to God in that same way? Is that desire that we have to serve like that, is that desire that we have for revival, are we willing to meet that desire in submitting ourselves to God? That's the question. And if we answer that in the affirmative, faith church, we will have revival. But if we answer that by merely going through the motions, we will come out the other end of revival no different than we are today. You say, Derek, that's a harsh thing. It's just the reality. Are you willing to submit yourself unto the Lord? Here's the beauty of submission. When we submit as Abraham did, we submit it as Jesus did. Don't you remember what the book of Philippians tells us about Jesus' submission? That He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Do you, do you remember what it goes on to say? Just like what we saw it went on to say about Abraham after he submitted, how the angel of the Lord spoke to Abraham again for the second time and had said to him, Blessed are you, for I have seen then your faithfulness. I have seen that you truly have faith in the Lord because you are going to offer your son. And because of that, I'm going to bless you. God had the same love and same response to the obedience of his son. Paul went on there as he wrote to the Philippians. He said that when Jesus, and seeing Jesus having become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, he said, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow and that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, God responds to obedience. And we have seen that proved over and over again. I mentioned in Sunday school about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, oftentimes referred to as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God sold their faithfulness. He sold their obedience in refusing the king's command. He sold their obedience in telling the king, I don't know if God's going to deliver us or not. That's his business. All I know is that I'm here to submit to the Lord. And God responded to their obedience. And he didn't just... <laughs> You talk about responding to their obedience. He met them in the fire. Remember when the guard came and said, I, I know he threw three in there, but I see four in there now. They're all loose. They're unbound. They're walking around. And that fourth one looks like the Son of Man. Remember that? God responds to the obedience and submission of His people. So as we enter revival, I ask you, are you willing to submit?
Faith Church, let's submit. Let's submit to God. Let's submit to one another. And let's prepare for this revival by surrendering unto the Lord. God bless you today. Something on your heart. Something God's moving you to say or do.